Well, hello friends. Uh, my name's Brad, this is my wife Meg, and we are, as that video hinted, at Better Together. We are also part of the same household bubble, so that's why we're not two meters apart today. But uh, today we wanna spend some time together helping all of us wrap our heads around uh, a complex social, relational, and biblical concept. The notion of what it means to live together in community as a church, both during and following the time of COVID. So this talk is part of our February teaching series entitled Rhythms. And in this series, we are exploring spiritual practices that we can build into our lives that will lead us to be healthier people in every way. So last week we were preparing to enter Lent. We talked about the spiritual practice of fasting. And next week we're gonna explore rhythms of work and rest, but today we're gonna to dig into the discipline of community. Now, you might immediately wonder, why are we talking about community in a season where I can't even have any community? I mean, we're all isolated, we're all living our lives in our little bubbles, and, and in this season, I think it's important to actually name and acknowledge a sense of loss, that something has been taken from us. I think back to a year ago when we entered the season of Lent, we were still doing life together with others in church community in proximity. And looking at that, it's striking me again that maybe I and we took that for granted. And I know I'm certainly missing that. I'm longing for its return. I'm missing seeing all of you in real life as the church gathered. As an introvert, I think I can admit that some there's some advantages to online church. I mean, you can go to church in your pajamas, you can have your dog join you. Um, and from the ministry impact side of things, we certainly are seeing new people engage with us who maybe have never um, come before. So if that's you and you're new to Jericho during this season online, would you fill out a form, um, the contact connect card? sticking up your hand digitally and letting us know that you are exploring and that that helps us know who you are and how we serve you well. So you just go to jerichoridge.com backslash connect or you, if you're watching live or on our church online interactive platform, just click the link to chat now. But there's some significant disadvantages to this setup. Um, one negative possibility for this format is it can kind of degenerate into like content without community. For example, every night I watch the news and I'm doing this because, not because I want them to be my friends. I feel connected to them, but the reality is, is they're not part of my world. I'm not gonna have coffee with Ian Hannah Manzing. The news and even podcasts are created as one, one way mediums. So digital church, if it's the only expression of connection, has a possibility of moving us from being this vibrant community of people into kind of dispersed pockets of individual content consumers. Some people have taken to joining two or three churches that suit them during this season online. And while we're happy that we're serving you, we wanna be clear and upfront with you that we're committed to being a local community with a strong heartbeat and calling to Surrey and Langley, British Columbia. So if you're not local, we wanna encourage you to find a local faith community that you can do life with so you can be a part of the rhythm of life in this post COVID world. You, of course, are welcome to join us in this space. And while our goal here at Jericho is certainly to continue with our online ministry presence, we also want you to know that our heartbeat is for the creation of a vibrant incarnational community of people in real life that beautifully reflects the diversity of our city and God's heartbeat for the world. The church is called to more than content creation. 
That'd be a good time for an amen. So um, we're going to trace this theme of community in the biblical witness. And as we go, we're going to touch down in a few key passages that will help give us a sense of vision and the value of community, particularly a local church community. And one of the interesting things about community is that God's vision for community actually doesn't start with the church. It starts all the way back in the book of Genesis. And one of the most uniquely powerful truths about the universe is that God exists in community. So uh, if you have your Bible or you wanna follow along, open up to Genesis chapter one. And in verse 26 and verse 27, we read this. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all of the wild animals on the earth and the animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. God created them. This language is important here. Let us make human beings in our image. Note the plural pronouns, community. In other words, God exists eternally as a community. God the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ the Son, and God the Father. At the, at the very generative, creative center of the universe and all that exists, there exists a triune community of divine love. And all that exists and all that we know is actually the overflow of that divine dance of love. And that can sound all very theoretical, but it actually forms the model for us of human community. Look in the next chapter, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, God uh, creates Adam and says uh, in verse 17, it's not good for Adam to be alone. COVID or no COVID, it's not good, God says, when we are alone, when we are not a part of community. And this isn't a single adult versus a family thing. I want to say we love and value the singles who are part of our community. This is just a human thing. We are relational beings as humans, and we are this way not by accident, but we are this way because we are made in the image of God. And this also is probably why COVID is such a real challenge for us. And we have to be real and honest about that. There's this sense of isolation and loneliness that's created from a loss of community. Uh, the loss of community and church community in a gathered form is a loss for us. And we just need to acknowledge and be real about that because we're created for community. If you fast forward from Genesis 1 to the life of Jesus, we need to explore then, then why does community even matter? Um, the mission of God in Jesus was to seek and save the world. And that could have happened in any way. Jesus could magically have appeared from heaven, straight onto the cross, died for our sins, and went back up to heaven. But Jesus chose the path of community. Jesus makes a choice to intentionally surround himself with others. He says in John 15, 15 to his disciples, now you are my friends, since I have told you everything the Father told me. So you're surrounding yourself with friends who are following Jesus, it's not just a nice or kind of a convenient idea. This is life in the way of the kingdom. 
But the community Jesus was forming wasn't simply so like we could hang out together and kind of have all these like warm and fuzzy feelings and kind of be a group. Christian community isn't, is not just me and Jesus only kind of thing. Um, community matters because we can't accomplish the great commission or even the great commandment to love God and neighbors on our own. For me, this propels me to think more than just about me and my spiritual formation. This leads me to care about others. This is why I don't just go to church for myself. I go for others. It's through my time in community, be it imperfectly online or in real life, I'm reminded the challenge to live my life for and with others. Here I think of Jesus' disciples, this incredibly diverse personalities and backgrounds and ideals they had all around their little community. There were fishermen, doctors, political zealots, tax collectors. They were not all best buddies, but they joined together out of allegiance to Jesus, and they stayed because of the transforming work of Jesus. I think we can sometimes think that like, if I could only find like this church where everyone is like, like me, that would be so great. Um, and that would solve my problems. <laughs> but the problem is we're human. Yeah, I think that's, that's a great example. Um, and when we carry that forward into the story of the early church, those early Jesus followers went on to form communities together. And we see this actually in the origin story of the church. And the text that people often rush to is in Acts chapter two, where they held all these things together and they met daily and they had this deep sense of life together. And you read Acts chapter two and the early uh, church experience and you think, oh man, that would be so amazing. Like if we could only be a church like the early church, like it would be like a perfect human community. It's like the neighborhood where everyone has picnics in the cul-de-sac and nobody drives fast and everybody cleans up after their dog. But I think we just have to acknowledge, like we, we have a lens that we bring to our vision of community and often it's a suburban vision of community, not actually a biblical one. And even when we read back into Acts chapter 2 in the text, there's a real danger that we can actually idealize and even idolatrize the community to the point where we kill it by our expectations. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German theologian and pastor, and in one of his writings about community, he said this, quote, the person who loves their dream of community will destroy community but the person who loves those around them will create community. Uh, in other words, real community can only happen when we actually push past some of those airbrushed ideals and we actually get right into the mess and the muck of other people's lives and we allow other people to do the same in our lives. That's actually what creates growth and flourishing in our spiritual lives and in all aspects of our lives. And it, it's a bit like marriage. It doesn't always happen and come in the times of bliss. We bring our own ideals to this. And if we want a depth of relationship, it comes, yes, in those times of celebration and in the good times, but it also comes when we're willing to walk through those hard times and the times when we need to do some repenting. and. It requires this kind of potent combination of surrender and humility. And we need to be continually reminded of this when our ideals, whether it's for marriage or whether it's for community and life together in the church are not being met. In those times, 
we need to just keep showing up for the sake of the kingdom and for the sake of others around me, even if I'm not, quote unquote, feeling it. Yeah, Paul, one of the leaders in the early Christian movement, picks up in this in the book of Ephesians. So like most of the New Testament, this letter was written to a specific local community of faith meeting in the city of Ephesus. In chapter four, Paul gives us one of the most impassionate speeches about life together in community. And he opens it up with this very personal language. Listen, Ephesians 4, 1 and 6. Therefore, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with others, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love making every effort to keep yourself united in the spirit, binding yourself together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you've been called into one glorious hope for the future. There is one God, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and in all and living through all. I love the honesty of this text on this topic of community. Paul says, listen, church, I'm telling you, you're gonna need humility, gentleness, patience, forbearance, because because he's sure that we're gonna need this, because we all have faults. You have been called by God into community of people who all love God, but are also all fueled human beings. And we are all various stages of being transformed by Jesus. But we're walking the same road together. The same passage in the message translation reads, you were all called to travel on the same road and in the same direction. So stay together, both outwardly and inwardly steadily pouring yourself out to each other in acts of love, alert at noticing differences, and quick at mending fences. Yeah, I like that phrase. Uh, one of the central metaphors of the church in the New Testament is actually that of a family. And in a healthy family, you don't run out the door at the first sign of conflict. You are to, in the language of Ephesians 4, make allowances for each other's faults because of your love for each other. And I really like the honesty of this passage because it's real clear for Paul and for the Ephesian church and for you and for me and for Jericho, and we just need to say it over and over again to ourselves, community takes work. Community takes work. Make every effort, Paul says, to keep yourselves united in the spirit. Like you don't have to tell somebody to make an effort at something if it's gonna be easy. Life together in community is hard work. And that's why uh, it's often included and why we're calling it today a spiritual discipline. Yeah, so one thing that can be helpful is to name the things that hinder us from this type of engagement in community. So listen for these, see if you have heard these or maybe you think them yourselves. So some of them might be things like, well, they think different than me. I'm just not feeling it. They just want me to give and serve. I'm introverted. I don't like a lot of people. This community makes me feel nervous. I've done my time. This season of, is just for me and God and not really for God's people. It's not really convenient. I haven't been in community for a while. It's kind of awkward for me to step back in. I have a lot of things going on right now, so I'm just going to wait until life looks a little bit better. It's sunny out. It's raining out. Music, preaching, <laughs> I've, it's been a busy week. My kids, my husband, my wife doesn't like it. I work for a Christian organization, I serve there, so I don't really need this church thing. So here's the thing, like we've all said these things or thought them um, to ourselves or to our friends. 
Yeah, I think there's there's no shortage of excuses, but if you can for a moment think back to a time in your life where you were part of a spiritual community where you found yourself flourishing and try and kind of capture that in your mind. And by flourishing, we mean you were growing spiritually. There was a vibrancy to your life and to that community. And maybe for you, you have to go back in time a ways. Maybe it was in your youth, or maybe it was in like a, a Bible college type experience, or maybe it was in a church that was fresh and different from the tradition that you grew up in. And I want you to do a little bit of homework and actually dissect that experience a little bit without being overly idealistic about it. Ask yourself, what was it that brought about that sense of flourishing? And when I started to do that on my own life and spiritual journey, I started to realize this connection between my investment level in that season or time and the sense of community that I was experiencing in there. And so often our level of active participation in something is directly connected to our sense of experience in that community. And, and that's also connected just sociologically to our sense of belonging and affinity with things and with people. And again, we just need to recognize that this is very hard in the midst of a global pandemic because our sense of connection with our community feels limited and therefore our feelings about our community can feel limited or less strong in this season. And that's a normal part of what we're all going through together. But there's ways that you can actually lean in in spite of that. And maybe for you, that's something that you want to make as a bit of a prayer practice uh, through this season of Lent. Maybe you make a commitment to choosing one other family or individual in the life of our community and just praying for them throughout the course of the week. Because uh, if you maybe make a commitment to say pray for your pastors or pray for your leaders, I find that my feelings about people, my connection with them is strengthened when I'm praying for them and actually investing that time in both my spiritual development and their spiritual development in prayer. Yeah, yeah there's lots of things to celebrate in this season too. There are many who have had a strong sense of connection or learning into creative and amazing ways. I think of some people like my friends, Allie, who serves on Wednesday night. She kind of created this online group for women, seeing that people were feeling disconnected and didn't have a chance to chit chat like they would normally in a church environment. So she just said, what can I do with purpose to create connection? And we want to say thanks, Allie, for leading in this way. Um, Sandy and Muriel, they continue to connect and check in on people that they would normally do on a Sunday. I think of Jason and Betty, our new um, youth pastors, they're new to this community. And so instead of waiting around for kind of like this weird season to end, they're like, give me a list of families with young kids. I'd like to see if there's ways I can connect and grow together. And I think of those who are serving on the Jericho Faith Society, they're investing in the care and upkeep of our building. They know that this spiritual space, physical space is God's gift and that this space will be a huge gift to us for years to come. And physical space helps us with the ministry of the community and connection. So we thank them for coming and taking care for Linnell and Darwin who do the hedges and Sean who works on the storage container. This is all part of the work of community and it creates community when we do it together. Or last week, the great Valentine Connect. Thanks for those of you who took time to creatively think about how to be a blessing to others in the community. 
such amazing stories of creative act, of ways to love and extend to others in our community. So lots of people are reaching out and showing up to be the community for those around them. So we don't even know, there's like hundreds of them. So it's really easy to say, well, I haven't been the recipient. And the question is, how are you going to lean into this? It can be as simple as asking the Lord, who in my community could use my encouragement that they are seen and loved and missed in this season. And maybe that could be a Lent practice. You could write a card or send an email each week. Choose one thing to do that's not about you, but strengthens the bonds of community in this season. Yeah, and uh, as we close this uh, portion of our time together, Meg and I want you to know that we are deeply vested here in this community and we want to be for years to come as well. And we just wanna extend that invitation to you to join us on that journey. At the end of the day, God has created God's church to be the hands and feet and show love to a watching world. Community is not all about how warm and fuzzy you feel about things all of the time. Community is this vision for life in the kingdom of God where walls are broken down and where diverse ways of looking at life are honored and where people find and follow Jesus with their whole lives. And that's really the vision of community that we've given ourselves to with a wonderful group of people here for the last 16 years. And, and friends, I gotta say, it is worth giving your life to. And I'm so glad uh, that we have given our lives to you as a pastoral couple. And I really cannot imagine any other Motley crew to do life together with. And so uh, we just wanna celebrate that and say that and invite you, especially if you're newer on this journey, to join us. And I want to sort of uh, mark a moment in this and actually invite you to join us in a responsive reading. And this reading invites us to commit ourselves in a fresh way to the task of community life together. And Meg's going to lead us and then I'm gonna read out the response part and I'm gonna invite you to join me wherever you are of saying these words out loud as we make this declaration of community and commitment to God and to each other. Yeah. You are the body of Christ and individually members of it. God's Spirit, Spirit makes, makes us one, breathing unity, unity into diversity, diversity, breaking down the walls that divide. There is neither male nor female, nor any wall of nation, race or class, but one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one body. We commit ourselves to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace, and we live out our mission to be Christ's hands and feet, ears and mouth, mind and heart, his body for a broken world. You are a holy people, a royal priesthood, God's special property created to do his will. We commit ourselves to build up the body of believers, to prod each other on to love and good works, to seek God's will for our life and mission. Church, we're called to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And when we fail, merciful God, Bring us lovingly back to your truth so that we might learn again how to bring each other back from sin and error. We commit ourselves to the common good of your people, 
humbly submitting to one another that your people might be built up and your good news might be announced to all the world. Amen. Friends, the God who called forth and knows every community and every star by name knows you. And he has called you or is calling you to be part of God's family. And so we invite you to join together with others from all across this city and all across our community as we lift up our voices in praise and worship in response to God's faithful love. Let's sing together.